Well, again, good morning. Thank you. If I, I figured if I waited long enough, I'd hear it back. So, yeah. Morning, Joe. As I said earlier, we're in the last week of the series that we've titled I'm Alive, and we've been looking at the life of Lazarus. We've been looking at the account of Lazarus found in the Gospel of John, and Lazarus dying and spending four days in a tomb. And we've been looking at the grave clothes that he has been wrapped in, and we've been using these grave clothes to project an image of the grave clothes that bind us. Those grave cloths that bound Lazarus' hands and feet and his face kept him tied up. And we've been looking at those grave clothes and using that idea to look at the grave clothes that tie us up. What is it that keeps us bound up? What is it that ties us up? See, Jesus has come and given new life to Lazarus. And in the same way, Jesus has come and given you and I, those that believe in him, a new life. We're no longer bound up. We've been set free. We're new creations. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that the old is gone, the new has come. In fact, we are a new creation. But have you ever asked yourself this question? If I'm a new creation, why do I feel like I'm still my old self? Why is it so difficult to experience this new life you keep talking about? Well, the short answer to that question is sin. Sin, it's not a popular word today in our culture, especially in the West. It's not very popular. No one wants to talk about it. But the Bible speaks about it often. And it says that everything and everyone is infected by sin. Everyone is infected by sin. But see, the good news of Easter is that Jesus came. Jesus came and He paid the price for all sin. For my sin, for your sin. For all sin ever. Jesus was punished for that sin. And He paid the price for that sin. But the good news is is that His resurrection defeated sin and death and the devil. And the great news of Easter is that Jesus is alive and he has risen. And because he has risen and because he is alive and because he has defeated sin and death and the devil, you and I have been set free from sin, death, and the devil and their control. And we now have a new king. His name is Jesus. He set us free to live this new life. Like Lazarus, we have been brought back to life. But just like Lazarus, we're still bound in grave cloths. And it's those grave clothes that are steeped in sin that we're bound in that keep us from experiencing the abundant life Jesus has for us now. They don't keep us from experiencing the abundant life after death, but they do now. And so this morning, we want to look at those grave clothes and how do we get rid of those grave clothes. Last week, Pastor Mike was here and he shared with us the most common 
grave clothes and the importance of naming those grave clothes to see what it is that holds us and binds us. Things like fear and regret and shame and guilt. Some of those are easy to recognize in ourselves. Some of them we can see right away. It doesn't mean we can break free from them, but we can recognize them. Others, not so much. I would say others that we're just completely blind to. We have no idea what's binding us. And that's why we need the help of others to help name the grave clothes that keep us bound up. But we also need the help of others to set us free from grave clothes. Because it's hard to see what's binding us when we're blind. And so this morning, as we look at this story of Lazarus once again, I want to change perspectives. We've been looking at this story from the perspective of those outside the tomb, looking at Lazarus coming out and smelling the odor that would have come out of the tomb and, and, and looking at it from that perspective. But I want to kind of change it around, and I want to look at it from Lazarus's perspective. What would Lazarus have experienced that morning or that day when he was brought back to life? There was a smell that was coming out of the tomb, but maybe there was a smell that Lazarus encountered as well. Maybe there's something Lazarus could teach us, especially when it comes to how do we help one another remove our grave clothes. Have you ever driven down I-65 in Indiana toward Indianapolis? And as you're driving down the highway, you're enjoying your trip, and then out of nowhere, there's this awful smell. It's like south of Rensselaer. I don't know if you've ever encountered it. It's horrible. And it's as you pass one of these. It's a hog farm. And when the wind's right, you can't help but miss it. (laughs) And I sit there and I'm like, how could anybody live near a place like this or work at a place like this? But my dad grew up on a farm. And I would ask him when he took me to the farm, I'm like, how did you ever live around this smell? And he's like, well, when you live on a farm, you get used to the smell. You get used to it. People that work in those type of environments and live near those environments get used to the smell, and it's like they almost forget that it's even there. What smell? Think about it. Think about the person that lives in the rural areas, and they drive into Chicago. And I bet they encounter some pretty repulsive smells of their own. And we would sit there and go, what smell? I don't smell anything. I think that's the same kind of thing that we encounter here in this story. We think about the smell that's coming out of the tomb. We can picture that, but it's harder to picture the smell that would be outside the tomb. The grave clothes that everybody else is wrapped in, but they can't see. The grave clothes that you and I are wrapped in, but we can't see. And so we need to change our perspective this morning. We need to look at it from Lazarus' perspective. And I think when we do, that we can learn some lessons with a Lazarus perspective. And I'd like to look at three lessons I think his perspective can teach us this morning. What happens when Jesus calls? What happens to us? What happens to the world around us when Jesus calls? The second lesson is, Why is it that we need a resurrection community? Why is it so important that the church be involved in this process? Why do I need others' help to get myself out of grave clothes? And third, 
how do we help others? If we're called to help one another out of our grave clothes, how do we do it? Because it's not easy. And not everybody's willing. But it's important. So what happens when Jesus calls? When Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb and says, Lazarus, come out. What happens? Everything changes. Everything changes, especially for Lazarus. He was dead, and now he's alive. He was dead, and now he's alive. Do you not think his perspective changed? Do you not think he looked back at his life before he died and saw things now that he's alive again that he missed? Do you not think that there's aspects to others' lives around him that he would say, you guys are settling for way too little in your life? Lazarus could look at death and say, been there, done that. Not so scary. But see, the Lazarus perspective helps you and I as well. Because it's our perspective. See, Jesus has called you out of a tomb. He's called you into a new life now, just like Lazarus. You were once dead in your sins. But because Jesus has called you out and given you faith, put his spirit inside of you, you have been set free from death. The problem for most of us is if we haven't had that experience of actually dying that Lazarus had. It would have been front and center for Lazarus. It would have changed everything for the rest of his life. You know, Scripture is pretty quiet. It doesn't tell us what Lazarus had to say. The next chapter, John does tell us, though, that because Lazarus was brought back to life, they wanted to kill Jesus for that. That's really what sent him over the edge. We can't have him doing this to everybody. And in fact, it says that they planned to kill Lazarus as well. But you know what's ironic? Is when they killed Jesus, that's exactly what they got. Another once dead man walking around Jerusalem. But we don't have Lazarus' words. But we can look from his perspective and sort of say, you know what? I'll bet his life changed. And you know what else? After Jesus called his name, I'll bet you he was shouting Jesus' name all over the place. That's the perspective that we must take. We must see the world anew. And see that everything has changed. And His Word and this community help us see that. In fact, that's one of the things that changed. Is that when Lazarus was brought back to life, others believed. Others saw him in a tomb, dead. He'd been there four days. They smelt what came out of that tomb. They knew he had been dead. And now here he is walking around. Their lives changed. And they went around telling everybody else what they had seen. When your life changes, as I've heard story after story about how you encountered God's Word and about how you used to live this way, and now as a result of God calling you out, your life has changed, and how people have come alongside you and said, what happened? I've noticed a difference in you. And you've felt that. You've seen it. Maybe you've forgotten some of those stories. 
Maybe it's happened so subtly over time, you, you don't see the change. Jesus has worked a miracle in your life. Just like he worked a miracle in Lazarus' life. And he's calling us not to forget it. We need to keep that perspective. Which brings me to my next point. Why do we need a resurrection community? Why do we need the church? To help us out of our grave clothes. Well, as we look at the story, we see exactly why we need it. Because when he calls Lazarus out of the tomb, he's wrapped up like this. Remember Pastor Dan on Easter bouncing around the stage like this? From mumbling like Lazarus might have been? He couldn't get himself out. There's no way he could have got himself out of those clothes. But what happens? Jesus doesn't go over and let him out. He doesn't go over and unwrap him. He doesn't tell Lazarus to get himself out. What does he say? All of you, get over there and help him out of those clothes and set him free. That's what he's telling us. We need to help one another out of our grave clothes. But as I say that to you, I know you're sitting there going, no thanks. Right? No thanks. No help needed. I can do it on my own. In fact, I don't even smell anything. I don't know what you're smoking, but I'm not, I don't smell anything. Do you have any prayer requests? No, I'm good. I'm good. No help needed. But you don't know what you don't know. You don't understand that you're blind and you can't smell. That's why we're in a resurrection community, so that we can walk alongside of one another and help one another, because we're blind. It's what John says in his revelation. When Jesus is talking to the church at Laodicea, a lukewarm church, he says, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You don't know what you don't know. You think you don't need any help. You think you can do it on your own. He goes on to tell them, I rebuke you and I correct you because I love you. He puts us in a resurrection community, in a church, because he loves us. And he wants us to experience the abundant life. And he knows that we can't do that on our own. We won't even name the clothes on our own, let alone try to get rid of them on our own. That's why we need one another, walking alongside each other, helping others out of clothes that we ourselves have been helped out of, that others have helped us out of. Or maybe people are going through something right now that we've been through. And we can walk alongside them and help them out of these grave clothes. That's what Isaiah says that we're to do. We're to lead those who have eyes but are blind. Who have ears but cannot hear. We're to lead one another. We're to correct one another. That's the purpose of the resurrection community, of the church. It's so that we build each other up in love. That we all grow to maturity as we help one another shed the grave clothes that bind us, that keep us from experiencing the abundant life, the full life that Jesus promises us now. Which brings us to my third point. How do we do it? How do we help others when they don't want our help, when they don't think there's a problem, when they won't talk to us about the problem? How is it that we help? Is it like this? You stinketh! And you, you really stinketh. See, that's why people are usually afraid, because that's what they feel they're going to get. 
That's what they hear. This judgment. That you stinketh. I don't stinketh, but you stinketh. How do we help others? Like we have been helped. Well, I think we adopt the posture of Jesus. He's our model. He's always our model. From Lazarus' perspective, Jesus would have been the model. When the woman caught in adultery was brought to Jesus, and they said, what should we do with her? He said, those who are without sin cast the first stone. And everyone dropped their stones and walked away. And then Jesus knelt down next to the woman and said, woman, where are all your accusers? Where have they gone? They're not here. He says, neither do I accuse you. But go and leave this life and sin no more. Jesus comes alongside of the woman, kneels down next to her, loves her, expresses his love for her, and leads her out, speaks the truth. But he's not pointing his finger. And that's the thing Lazarus would have understood. Lazarus came back to life and would have seen things in his sister's And in his friends, that he's like, they're settling. But he had a marvelous witness, a marvelous model in Jesus, who was without sin. But yet, as the writer of Hebrews tells us, was tempted in every way. And we have someone who can empathize with what it's like to live this life in this sinful, fallen, broken world. Someone who's come alongside but hasn't pointed his finger but held out his hand and said, come follow me. Not pointing his finger and looking down upon people, but coming alongside and helping one another out, but helping one another out of these grave clothes, not leaving them bound up, but helping them. That's what he's called us to do. He's called us to come alongside one another with a spirit of humility, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach, as you admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart, the gratitude for what has been done for you. Lazarus would have gone the rest of his life with this gratitude about what God had done for him. With Jesus as his model. That's what he's calling us to do. To understand that we've been set free. We were once dead, but now we're alive. That we've been given, brothers and sisters in Christ, a resurrection community to walk alongside us. That we get to walk alongside one another with humility and grace and dignity not blind to the things that bind. Not blind to the things that entangle us and keep us from experiencing the life that Jesus so desperately wants us to experience. Because when you experience that life, you live that life. And when you live that life, others see that life. This morning, I'd like to give you a challenge. A couple of challenges. And you guys are going, yay! A couple of weeks ago, when you came on Easter, you should have received one of these, grave cloth. And we ask you to 
bring it back last week and write down and name the cloths that bind you? What is it that's keeping you from experiencing abundant life? And then we asked you last week to bring it back this week. And maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But there's more out as you leave today. Because I'm going to ask you to take them with you. I'd like you to still consider, do you know what's binding you? But here's one thing I'd like you to do. If it's blank, and you're wrestling with, what do I write? I'd like you to prayerfully consider who you can ask. Who you trust. Someone that could walk alongside of you. That could help you write down what it is that's binding you. Not easy. I want you to hear me. This is hard stuff. This is not easy stuff. The abundant life isn't something that God just hands to us. Oh, if it were just that simple. But he gives us a community that can walk alongside of us and do these hard, messy things of helping one another, especially pointing out the things that bind. But here's what Scripture promises, and here's what I can tell you, and I know others around the room could tell you. When someone comes alongside and and cares about you and walks alongside of you and Jesus uses them and the Spirit uses them and you together to release you from the things that have bound you in the past, you want to talk about it. It changes your entire life. And the abundant life that Jesus talks about becomes real. Becomes real as you do the tough work. And so think about what's binding you and think about and pray about who it is that could walk alongside of you. Because you cannot do this alone. You just can't. That's why we talk so much about small groups and why it's so important that you have a community of people that you can walk alongside and they can walk alongside of you and you can sharpen one another. Who here in the room is part of a group like that or has someone like that in your life? Look around. I want you to talk to those people. I want you to ask them, how did you do it? Email me, email Pastor Dan. We would love to talk to you about trying to get into a group like that, trying to walk alongside one another so that we can break these ties that bind. I want you to prayerfully consider who can walk alongside of you. This is hard work. It's hard work. But I promise you, Jesus is trustworthy and true. And the abundant life that you so want to live is there. It's available. That's why we're in this community. That's why we need to have a Lazarus perspective to remind one another daily. Daily what Jesus has done. So that we must never forget that we were once dead, but now by the grace of God, we're alive. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, Heavenly Father, we do indeed thank you and rejoice at the sound of your name.
Father, we do want to lift our hands to you and praise you for all that you've done for us, the things that we have lost sight of, the things that we have forgotten about, the things that we have yet to discover. We thank you. Father, at the same time, we come before you humbly confessing our sin, confessing that we still want to walk our own way. We still want to resist the help of others. We still want to resist your help. But we thank you this morning because your word reassures us that you're right there all the time. Not pointing your finger at us, but holding out your hand. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that we have in your son, the life that he made available to all of us. Thank you for spending some time in God's word with us during this message. It was recorded live in worship at Trinity Church in Lyle, Illinois, where God is leading us on our mission to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Would you like to know more about a relationship with Christ or more about Trinity, who we are, what we believe, and where and when you might join us in worship or a growth group? Please visit our website at tlc4u.org. That's the letters T-L-C, the number four, and the letter U.org. May God bless you and yours abundantly through Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening.